0: Colossians chapter 4, um, verse 1 of Colossians 4 really is hooked up with um, Colossians three twenty-two through 25. He says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So this is one of those that they, I don't know exactly why they broke things the way they did, but they did it that way. But we're going to look at verse 2 here. And we're probably going to spend a lot of time, most of our time, in verse 2. Um, Continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. <clears throat> so then, the Amplified puts it this way. I'm going to use the Amplified a lot today because it's a good basis to jump from, from, you know, what, what we're um, uh, looking at here today. And it gives some real clarity to some things here in the Scripture. And so I'm going to um, be bouncing around in some of that. And so if I don't give all the credit to that, it's not because I'm real smart. It's because I got it from another source. So just to clarify that, um, it says in the Amplified verse to be earnest and unwearied, steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent and in your praying with thanksgiving. And check out these words that they're using here, earnest unwearied, steadfast, alert, and intent. That's the kind of prayer life we're supposed to have. That's what he's saying here, is that our prayer life is supposed to be, you know, a huge aspect of our life. It's not just something that's flippant that we do real quick, you know, or once in a while, or, or just, you know, bless this food and start chomping or something like that. What it is, is this is so, supposed to be something that is a huge part of our life. And, and it's something we, we have to begin to understand, to grasp, and to really make a part of that. In our text, the word is "villigent" that is used here. And Thayer's puts it like this. It says, to be watchful and to employ the most punctilious care in a thing with thanksgiving. Punctilious. huh? How's that for a word? You know, I thought about taking that over to the senior center and kicking it around, you know. That way people won't think that I really do have Alzheimer's and that I do have my correct mind. Or I'm talking gibberish, I don't know which, but I really like that word. But check it out. Webster says that punctilious, punctilious, I can't even say it right, punctilious, being very careful um, about and behaving properly and doing things in a correct and an accurate way. That's our prayer life. That's the way our prayer life is supposed to be. It's supposed to have order. We're supposed to be in a in 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 our and to pray in a, in a manner of which, you know, there is some order to this. There's there's we're supposed to be earnest and unweary and steadfast and alert and intent in it. And and that's where he said that we're supposed to be as far as our prayer life goes. And it's interesting the the scriptures that God has given um, us in this whole study because he gives us the kind of Scripture that, that you always see that we're real familiar with and stuff. We're going to look at uh, Philippians 4, looking at verse uh, 6 here in a second. And it's the kind of scripture that you get. You know, you get those on Facebook and someone will send you and there's the bird flying over the snowy hill and stuff like that. And may the peace of God, you know, you know surpass all understanding. And You're just like, oh, that makes me feel so good and stuff. Well, we're going to tear all that up here and blast those things out. And then when you get those things, you can repost and go back and go, hey, you know what this really means? You know, okay, we're going to tear, you know, anyway, that's up to you. But it says this in verse 6 of Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All these scriptures are going to be very familiar. Uh, be anxious for nothing, he says. No worries. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Encircle that one. Keep that one in your head. That word righteous. Hang on to that one because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's, And it's an extremely port, uh, important part of this whole thing is, our, is righteousness and the way we move in that. Second Timothy 1, seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. These again are ones that we know very well. We understand these. We have to get them into our head that we're going to be moving within this power, this love and this sound mind. That's something that He has given us, it's ours, it's there, and it's a place of which we can move back and forth in. But then he says in, in Philippians here, "But in everything, and everything means everything, <clears throat> be by prayer and supplication, the amplified puts this as definite requests. So we've got earnest unwearied, steadfast, alert, intent, definite requests, punctilious, all within our prayer life. This is where he's going with this. He's ramping this up. He's building this up. He expects a certain type of prayer life from us. And that's something that we're going to look at here today. And we're going to ramp this up so that we begin to understand the expectation that God has for us. And it shows up here in a, in a little bit. But <clears throat> again, he just keeps on building this up. And then he says, These death by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding with the waterfowl over the hill and the babbling brook, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now, check this out. The word guard means to keep, to hem in, to protect. Thayer's Greek lexicon puts it this way, to keep in close connection to Christ. That's awesome. Let that sink in. The peace of God. When we pray and and we, we just get God that gives us that peace, that peace that he's giving us keeps us in connection with Christ that's a continuous thing. It's not all lumpy. It doesn't have holes. It doesn't have things in it that keeps us, you know, keeps it from, you know, being jagged or something. It's a continuous thing and it's going to guard our hearts and minds. He's going to take and guard our hearts and minds and keep us in connection with Christ. He wants to hear from us continually in everything And the result of his peace is keeping us in a closer connection to Christ. That's such an awesome thought. It's such a cool thing to think about. Because that's what God's peace is. Because there's times when I'm not at peace with my life. And that is separate from this. And that's where I think he's trying to take us to. Because sometimes I don't have a peaceful life going on, but he's saying he wants me to stay in peace to keep connected with Christ. And that's two different things. And so in the midst of turmoil, I can still have peace because I'm connected to Jesus. And this has a lot to do with my prayer life. And that's his desire for us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. And so, He's giving us peace even in the midst of when our life seems as if it's confused and jagged and disjointed. But His peace keeps us connected with Christ. And then we have a basis from which to move from. Matthew chapter 6, looking at verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore... Do not be like them for your father knows the things you have before you ask him. We don't need to make a big, you know, prayer into a big show and that sort of thing. He says to go to your room and pray in secret and he's going to hear in secret and he's going to reward you openly. Now there's times when we have to pray on the fly. Nehemiah did it. He heard that that Jerusalem, the walls were broke down, the gates were burned. He was really upset about it, and there wasn't much he could do. He was the cupbearer for Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, and uh, he didn't really know how to proceed with this sort of thing. And he uh, was very upsetting to him, and he was going to, at that time, enter into the presence of Artaxerxes. And, if, and then that time, if you went into his presence and you looked bummed, and you bummed out the king... Then they would kill you and then they would go and find a happier person to bring in place. And I'm sure that that person didn't know the reason why the other guy lost his job and was gone. And at some point in time he would find out and then he would be bummed out and then he would get replaced. And it could be just a, you know, it would be kind of a dead end job, I guess. It wasn't a lot of raises. But, and it happened as he was in Artaxerxes' presence... Um, He's like going, hey, man, you look kind of bummed out. What's up? And so he prayed at that moment. And so Artaxerxes sent him off to Jerusalem to take care of this situation and gave him backing and took care of him so that he could get the walls rebuilt and the gates put back up in Jerusalem. And and so he prayed at that moment in time. So there are times to do that. Also, in uh, Matthew uh 18, 19, and 20, it says when two or, or three are gathered together and agree on earth, then it will be done by the Father from heaven when he is, there in, he is there in their midst. And so there's times for group prayer when it's specific and that sort of thing. And he says when we gather together, as we've done here this morning, that he is in um, our midst and that He is moving, and that what we petition Him, He is going to in, then um, do, and, and what we pray here on earth, He is going to then do from heaven. And uh, He wants us, you know, to... But, but it's important for us to understand, too, that He wants us to take time out by ourselves to talk with Him every day. He wants you to go to a quiet place every day, and take time out to 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 you know pray and to petition him that's his desire and then he says he wants to avoid wants us to avoid vain repetitions and that sort of thing and the, the and he wants to hear from our heart he wants to hear what's real now when i come, when i come to this with the with the vain repetitions of course i thought about the catholic church and the different prayers that go on with that, like the Hail Marys and, and Our Fathers, and when you do the confession and, and you say, okay, say, you know, six Hail Marys and do three Our Fathers, and you're going to be cool, and you're going to be... This is, this is, as we get into looking at the Lord's Prayer here, which is what we're going to do here in a second, this is a very scary situation to get into, because I don't ever want to get flippant about my prayer life i don 't ever want to get into a place where i 'm almost mocking him, and that 's what happens with this stuff because I looked up the the Hail Mary uh, uh, prayer and I looked up where it came from, and it comes out of Luke and it comes from the when Gabriel comes to talk to to um, uh, Mary and and explain what's going to happen, and then she goes and visits elizabeth and and that sort of thing. And they get this whole little killer thing out of that about if you need prayer, you know, pray to Mary and she's going to put in the good word for you with a man upstairs or some kind of trip. And, and if you say these things five or six times real fast, or, or not real fast, but if you say them, then that's going to cover sin or, or put you in a position where you're clean and you're cleared up and then you can go back out and sin some more and come back and you can do it over and over and over again. And uh, it's a pretty scary prospect. Because I don't ever want to be in that position. Because I don't ever want to feel that my religion is just a game and that I'm just moving along, you know, in some kind of a thing and and just vainly throwing things out there and and piling this on. It's a very scary situation. And um, we'll look at that here in a second. We don't have to use a lot of words either. He says... You know, we don't need to preach. How many times have you been in a prayer group when someone decides that they're going to preach it out? You know, and all we're asking for is, you know, maybe money for carpet or something like that. But then someone starts preaching against... Anger or something like that, and how they knew I was getting angry at the fact that this guy's preaching instead of just praying about the carpet. I don't know, but it's probably the spirit of God as He moves in this way, and it's kind of like you know, you you start to, you know, you will know, just uh, it just happens, and people like that they feel the calling and they happen to do it when everyone is quiet and has to be there, and so. Um, but anyways, that happens. So we don't need a lot of words, you know, God and and he, God already knows what we need to ask. And, um, you know, he wants to hear it from us though. And that's why, you know, so why do I need to bother talking to him if he already knows everything anyways and stuff? He wants us to then talk with him. And there's other things too about this that isn't just asking for stuff, he wants us to interact with Him and acknowledge Him. And that's so extremely important. Our prayer life, we need to acknowledge Him. So that, that we know that, that we're connected and that we have a relationship. When you get up in the morning and, you know, and your wife, you, know, you go in and, and it's just like, okay, here's a list. You know, and I want these things done, and then, you know, when you get that done, you know, let me know or whatever. But you never say, I love you. You never say, how's it going? You never interact. You never kiss her. You never do anything. Well, one day you're going to come back, and she's going to be gone, and your list is going to be there stuck to your pillow with a knife or something, and then she's gone, and that's the end of it, you know, and so... uh, God wants us to interact with him to to move to to just have a true and full on relationship you know in that way and so as we you know it's not just about the stuff, and so let's look at um uh verse nine here. He says, in this manner, therefore pray, this is Jesus talking, please get that inside your head so that you n- know this. I know it's in red and everything, but Instruction in prayer. This is an example of the nature of prayer. It's a form to get us into the right frame of mind to petition the Father. This doesn't have magic associated with it or anything else. And it doesn't matter how many times you say this in repetition over and over and over again. It's not going to fix anything in and of itself. All he's doing here is he's trying to get us into the right mind in the frame of mind. And remember that as we were looking at this earlier, that there is order here. And he's giving us an order of which to move from to get us into a right frame of mind in order to then worship. And that's what he starts with. He starts with worship. He says then that we begin with this attitude of worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word um hallowed means to venerate or to hallow which is to respect greatly and to make holy and so the first thing we do is we acknowledge him and we acknowledge his holiness that's the very first thing we do we acknowledge who he is and then the next part is the acknowledgement of what he's done and what is to come because he says your kingdom come. So in that I, I acknowledge his holiness and then we move within those great mercies that we had. The songs that we sang today are unbelievable. If you, the, the Holy Spirit moves. Jim doesn't ask me what's going on or, or where I'm going to be at. He sets this up according to how the Spirit does it. And God is then taking this and connecting it with this word. And it's unreal. Every single one of these songs are effective as to how we're to live our life. And if sometimes I have a hard time singing these songs because I know that I'm not in that spot in that mindset of which to do the things that I'm singing about and I'm worshiping about, that he's telling us here, get into the right frame of mind by praying this every day. And getting into a spot to where then you can react and move within that. And then that peace of God and that connection with Christ is yours and it's real and it's there. And that's his desire for us. So where was I? Okay. Um, Acknowledgement of what he's done. here kingdom come. We move and and we acknowledge those mercies that he has and that he's already given us. And we know that we've been translated from this this world into the kingdom of the son of his love. We know that. And so as we move there, then... We are just looking then for that completion of the kingdom to come here on earth. And that's going to happen. And we're acknowledging that and saying, we know you got this handled. We know that this is going to happen. And we acknowledge that that's coming. And we're excited about it. Lord, you've saved us and you've done all these awesome things. And you're so merciful and wonderful of what you've done. And we know that your kingdom is coming and that you're holy. And we just praise him for that. And then we take and we place this all into your hands, into His hands. Your will be done. You know, I know all the problems, but I don't know the solutions. But God does. And I desire His solution, His will. Because I know how I am. And I know how I fix things. And I know how I goof things up. And I mess things up. And He says that He... I want to acknowledge Him and His will. Even before I get into petitions, I'm asking that His will be done so that all the things that come after this is going to be in His will, His desire, what He wants to do. And in that then, I can can have that peace that keeps me connected to Christ. All of this kind of keeps reverting back to that place. So I want it to be in his hands and that peace of God will come. And He wants, and, and we want his desire from heaven to be doing, done here on earth. And so on earth as it is in heaven, we revert back to then Matthew 18 again that our petition is going to be done from heaven and the connection is there. But it's within his will. And so, however he lays it out, and whatever the situation is that he's moving with, then I, my, I'm ha, I'm at peace with the fact that it's his will and what he's doing, and then I can move in that. And then we petition for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. This is incredibly intimate because now I can start laying things out to Him that, uh, that are so important to me. And it can be, you know, daily bread. It can be those things, but it can be so much other things and those things that, that are plaguing me or, or, or worrying me or, or getting me into a place of that, that I'm fearful or whatever. And so I get into these places to where I start to lay things out to Him. Um, <coughs> And as I was looking at this, I thought about a friend of of mine. He has a, he's a he's a good brother and a good friend. He has a debilitating disease that leaves him crippled, and he has a very difficult time getting around. And he's in a lot of pain a lot of times, and he can't sleep very good, and so he has a very difficult time. And I was talking with him one day, and he says, "You know, Gary, I praise God for my disease." He goes, "Because if I didn't have it," then I wouldn't get to see God move the way that I have. But because of the disease, he hasn't been able to work. And so God uses him in a place in a tremendous way. But because of this disease, if, it, if he didn't have it, then he would just be working and just going along with life and doing things. But he praises God for this because he gets to see God move in the situation that he's in. And it rocked me to the core. Because no matter, this, this is when someone really begins to live, really begins to have that peace. This is when the reality strikes and the connectivity with Christ is real. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, becomes a reality. And instead of asking that that be removed, he praises God that he has it so he can see God move. Unbelievable! And that's today. That's not, not something that happened a long time. All well, these guys here, they, they saw Jesus and that's why it's different. No, that's today. That's why it's in, in other countries, people will walk a week just to do a church service. Because they have something here that goes beyond understanding. And so give us our, this day our daily bread. Intimate Get intimate with him and give it all over. He desires it. He wants to know, but he already knows everything. Oh, knock it off. He wants to know, and he wants you to hear it from you. So do that. But now we're going to ramp this up confession of sin with a petition for the ability to forgive others in direct relationship. To him forgiving me. This is where it gets tough. This is when we start those worship songs and we start singing those songs and we kind of mouthing those words and that kind of stuff, and you ever check yourself and think, What am I really saying? <clears throat> Say six Hail Marys and three our fathers, and you're gonna be okay. Right in the middle of this thing, it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so do you really want to get flippant with a statement like that? Do you really want to fling that thing out there? What if he takes me serious? I mean, do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about, do you really want to get on your knees and and enter the throne room of grace? We have that boldness. We can do that. We have the ability to enter into the throne room, to to kneel before the God that, that in that song, that, or what Howard read, when, when we're talking about splitting the Red Sea and all that stuff, and he delivered those people, uh, the, and, and the, just the incredible things that he's done, the creator of the universe, and I'm going to ask him to, to forgive me the way I'm forgiving somebody else. And it's like, am I ready for that? Do I really want him to do that? Because just getting over here, you know, I was, you know, probably hurt six or seven people just trying to get in the door. And then he's like going, you, you really want me to do this, Gary? You really want me to forgive you the way that you forgive somebody else? But there's an ability here, and there's, and there's a reasoning for this. And this is the cool part of this whole thing, and this is the encouragement because I, I don't ever want to get to the place where I pull out some guilt stick and start beating on people, you know, because I got to beat myself up first and then I'll be a mess and then you guys won't even listen to me. But <clears throat> the thing of it is, is the next one, this is the one that's a trip because he says here, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I already look at that and go, I'm not even getting this. And then he says, do not lead us. Then Thayers puts it this way, the next, you know, chunk here. And so I'm going to read what he says first. Do not lead us into a condition of things or a mental state by which we are enticed to sin or to elapse from faith and holiness. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I better take a drink. As I feel the preaching coming on on this one. There's a perspective that God expects. He expects me to be up here. And he expects me to live a life of power, love, and a sound mind. Like I said, all these scriptures that we've been looking at, These are real things that God expects of us. And sometimes we get caught up in this state of constant save me, save me, save me. And after a while, he's like going, you are saved. When are you going to step up and start walking? But Lord, this sin just overtakes me. And he's going, why? I've given you power, love and a sound mind. Why does sin plague you? Because I have given you the ability to dominate sin in your life. Why do you allow it to continue to dominate you? That's not the way it works. I have removed your sin. I have given you power. I have given you love for others, which where that forgiveness thing hooks in at, and a sound mind of which to work from. I have given you all these things and now I expect you then to move. This whole prayer is geared towards being at a particular place and not dropping off into an area where sin dominates me. That's what he's saying here. He's saying that I, want, I don't want, don't, don't lead me into sin. I don't want to wind up in sin. I don't want to wind up in faithfulness, unfaithfulness. And I don't want to wind up in, in unholiness. I desire to be with you, not with sin. I desire faithfulness, strength in that. And I desire holiness. As we looked at a few weeks ago, he said in Leviticus, he says, be holy for I am holy. That's not just a thing he's flinging out there. And if you feel like it, try it and see what happens. He expects it. And he expects it because he says right here that we're, he expects us to be at a particular place and he doesn't want us down and, and, and always asking to be saved and to be brought out of the mire. But he's like, yeah, but what, what about in, his, in, in my weakness he's made strong? Yeah, that makes sense because it's all him. He's given it all to us. Let's move within that. Let's not keep on, you know, staying defeated and beat up. The, the term deliver, what about this? It says, deliver us. Well, I'm already messed up. He's got to deliver us. No, that's a preventive term. It's a verb hooked with some other stuff that prevent us from going back and, and hooking in with the evil one. We're saved. And we don't need to be in a place where we act like We're not. He desires us to have life and have it more abundantly. Every single verse that you can think of hooks into this thing and brings us to a place of expectancy, His expectancy. Sometimes I have this whole list of stuff that I want Him to do, and He just wants me to worship Him, irregardless of my life situation and have peace which surpasses understanding to be connected with Christ and to stay there because that's his desire for me at this moment in time and not to continue to be beat up by sin over and over and over again. But I have an addiction and I can't stop. I'm lusting and I can't stop. He says, stop it because I've given you the power and love and a sound mind. And there is no reason for you to be defeated because I am God and I created this world and I created you and you are filled with my spirit and there is no reason for us to live in defeat. Anyways. I told you I was going to start preaching. Anyway. That's the Spirit of God. That's not me. Okay? So we will give that over to Him. So. And so He tells us then, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it's His power, His glory. Paul desires um, prayer because um, he's in a position, back in our text, um, because he's in prison, and so. Let me get back over here real quick. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open us um, a door for the world to speak the mystery of Christ, of which I am also in chains, and I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul was in prison here uh, when he was in Corinthians. When he was in Corinth, he wrote to the Romans. and to, He wrote the letter to the Romans. And he says in there that he, he begged that through Christ Jesus, at the love of the Spirit, that they would strive with him in prayer. And he was talking about how he was trying to be saved from the Jews and that sort of thing. Here, he's, he's, his mood changes somewhat. And he says that he's in chains, and he asks that he will speak as he ought to speak. We see the shift that comes on here as this, as this goes on. And we see this even today, because if you go online and you look at the letters that Pastor Saeed has sent to his wife, you can see the same thing. He wants to come home. And he doesn't want to be there, and we pray that he will come home. But at the same time, he prays for strength, and he prays that God will move in that awful dark place where he's at, and he does. And there are miracles taking place there, and he prays for boldness. As the apostle here prayed, he's doing the same thing because he wants to be used by God wherever he is at. And it's the same kind of thing, and we see this happening even today as he moves in that. And so God uh, Paul encourages us in the same to <clears throat> to be in the same of the same mindset. Verses five and six says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I'll read this strictly out of the amplified. Behave yourselves wisely. Live prudently and with discretion in relationships with non-Christians. Make most of the time and the opportunity. Let your speech be gracious, pleasant, and winsome, seasoned with salt, so you will never be at a loss to answer anyone who puts a question to you. And that's where he wants us to be at. Yeah, I know, anybody that knows me is going, yeah, like your speech is gracious, pleasant, and winsome. Yeah, give me a break. But see that seasoned with salt part. You know, if you ever get salt in your eye, then you know how my, salt, you know, my speech is and how it affects people. The thing of it is, is God's given us the ability to be righteous, and it's his righteousness. He's given us the power, the love, and the sound mind. He's moved in such a way that he, his desire is for us to live in in an expectant level of of the way of where he desires us to be and there's a righteousness as i said when we were looking in even in that one in proverbs that the righteous is as bold as a lion and and, he, and in James 5:16 says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much and that's why we know all these scriptures But a lot of times we gloss over the fact that there is a place that God desires us to be because He's given us the ability to do it and He wants us to move in it. No, we're not saved by works and by what we do, but His expectancy is at a spot that He desires us to walk because He knows that's the best place for us. And that's where He wants us to be. Let's pray. Oh, gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we just, uh, are, uh, we just acknowledge your holiness right now, Lord. And Father, we, we just pray that you will indeed keep us from evil. We pray that we can live in that way and, and exercise as those gifts and things that you give us, Father, and the abilities to give us so that we don't any longer allow sin to dominate but that you dominate our lives. Father, please um, give us strength and, and a, a real desire to know your will to grow in you and that you be glorified in us. And so, Father, we place these things in your hands. We pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, we pray you'll bring them to that place of knowing you today and that you be glorified in their lives too and that they can live and, and have that peace that goes beyond understanding. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name.